Good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jorian Gibson along with co-host Andrew Morgan. Today we have Case Baggerman, um, recently going from consultant to working for Nutanix. So we'll talk to Case about his his first few months of making that transition. Um, this is our second podcast. Be sure to catch our first podcast we had with Roy Monahan talking about EUC application virtualization in layers. So, as we're going to get this uh, kicked off, um, well, welcome, Keys, and thank you for taking some time away on a Saturday to uh, talk with me and Andrew. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Okay, so... Um just wanted to uh, just wanted to jump in straight away. Uh, obviously, we're all friends here, and we've known each other for quite some time. Um, per, uh, but before Case starts his introduction, I just wanted to point out that you know Case is a is a is a hero of mine. Um, four years ago, Case introduced me to pretty much everybody in this community when I know I knew nobody, um, and uh, he is an all around stunning gentleman. So, uh, Case, without further ado, would you like to introduce yourself and uh, <laughs> what you what, what you get up to? Oh, sure, sure. Um, so my name is Kees Bogman, live in the Netherlands. Um, before I started to work for Nutanix, I uh, worked at uh, Interaxis, uh, which is the largest privately owned system integrator in the, in the Netherlands. Um, started there as a, um, a system engineer, um, went to senior system engineer, senior consultant within uh, two years. Um, and had a main focus on desktop virtualization. Um, we did um, uh, with a focus on, on Citrix products, so um, uh, ZenApps and Desktop, uh, PVS, MCS, um, a little sense server, but mostly based on uh, VMware vSphere because um, as uh, a company we did a um, um, desktop as a service solution. Uh, which was called roughly translated uh, uh, Workplace 2.0. Um, and I was one of the reference architects uh, within, within that program, together with Barry Schiffer, um, also known in the, in the community. Uh, Barry's great. Yeah, yes, agreed. <laughs> um, so um, together with, uh, with Barry and, uh, and some other guys, we redesigned uh, uh, Workspace 2.0. Um, basically, the stack was vSphere, um, a Windows Server, uh, Citrix Synapse and Desktop, Netscaler, uh, PVS or MCS, depending on the customer needs, um, and RES Workspace Manager um, to do the user environment management. Uh, and we built a whole framework for deployment within um, uh, RES Automation Manager. Oh, you called them RES? Called them oh, please. yeah, this, that's the penalty, right? Absolutely. Oh, oh. <laughs> but... In my defense, I'm from the Netherlands. We we can call them res. So everybody outside the Netherlands, because RES is a is a Dutch company. Um, so everybody outside the Netherlands, they they are forced to call them RES, but we can say res. Well, yeah, I, I just it's it's funny because I mean absolutely everybody calls them uh, you know res, and when you speak to one of their senior guys or somebody who's been around since day dot, like you literally pronounce the word res, and you can see them wincing, you can see them secretly plotting <laughs> your death, you know, it's you know to anybody who has dealt with or res software before, don't call them res, You're, it's not going to go well for you. <laughs> <laughs> 
respect them for their name. I mean, that's 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 it. But if you're Dutch, again, you can call them rest. That's that's one of the perks of being Dutch. Yeah, absolutely. So you you obviously did a bit of training as well, didn't you? You were you were a, 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 an or, you know a, an RES certified trainer, and you also got RES certified uh, person of the year, or or what was it? What was yeah. the award you won? So uh, RES has a, a MVP-like status as well. It's the RSVP uh, uh, community. Um, I was uh, most valuable RSVP in 2011. Yeah. Um, that was a good year for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, it was kind of funny because they didn't um, give me an heads up. So we were in the audience uh, just for the partner focus from RES. Um, and they were handing out awards for the best partner and the most uh, innovative partner and stuff like that. You, I mean, you guys know the drill, right? Yeah. Um, and then I was just sitting there, and they said, well, okay, come over here because we have an award for you too. And I was like, uh, what? I mean, maybe, just just maybe, it was it was nice if you had given me a, a heads up that I was would be standing in front of like all these people and they said, well, do you want to say something? And I was like, uh, 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 thank you, uh, thank you, guys. You know, that was all I could say. I wish uh, I had worn my pajamas today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, very nice surprise, but uh, kind of very hard to put you on the spot there in front of all those people. But a very welcome surprise, though, I bet. So, Oh, oh yes. I mean, it, um, it's always welcoming to get um, uh, a validation of the things you're doing, right? So, uh, especially with... Uh, the, the the so I like Andrew said I did a lot of uh, res training as well um, and combining the training with um, with actual consultancy for me was like a, a real eye opener because you would get the theoretical approach of res software on how they would how they think you would use their product and then there's like the hands on experience on uh, how products are actually used and there's a I'm, I'm, there's a small gap I mean RES does understand needs of, of users or uh, consultants or admins or architects but again there's a there's always that small gap between uh, hands-on and and the, th- uh, the theory uh, so it was a it was a good way to uh, to to close that gap um, and, and make sure that the theory would would fit the uh, the hands-on experience and, and the other way around. Yeah, one, one thing uh, one thing I've seen, you know, and I'd love to get your opinion on this. You know, when you do certain vendor trainings and certification tests, you know, the the trainings and the certification tests are, are kind of way out of bounds of how you would do it in in real life. Would you say the RES software, you know, training and certifications are a lot closer to what you would do? in the real world, or are they still kind of out of bounds like, like some of the other vendors? Um, I think it depends on on uh, the trainer as well. So the, the, the base of the training is pretty good. Um, it will give you enough information to pass the exam. Um, but to add value, you need to add on hands-on experience. And, and this isn't just RES training, but training in general. To For me, as an um, attendee of a training, the real um, uh, added value of a, of, of a training is getting a trainer that has hands-on experience and knows how to work with the product. And that's what I try to do in my training as well. Not just the theoretical approach uh, that RES would say 
uh, you, uh, or that REST things that you need, but um, also go a little bit further and try to uh, to keep it like close to reality. Um, but REST is doing a great job to 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 get the gap as as, as um, small as possible. Yeah, that, that's good too because I've always found the the best trainers to be the ones that have the mix of actual field experience doing deployments you know that kind of stuff and then doing the training as well because they bring more more value add to the training so it's good to hear your your, your take on aria software and your experience with you know training and also consulting experience um you know i, I don't want to go too long of talking about aria software because you, you could probably go on for a long time because you have tons of experience <laughs> and knowledge in it um but we, we kind of want to hear you know, your take here on going from um, a consultant to working for a vendor. You know, you've recently, in the past few months, have, have joined Nutanix, you know, and you're probably one of their their more recent um, hires, and especially one that's more Citrix-focused, um, you know, has that background experience. You know, you, you have the vExpert background and, and VMware background, and, and most of the guys in Nutanix, you know, or VCDXs or, or come from VMware, but you're, you're kind of one of the first real big um, Citrix hires, um, for Nutanix. So can you talk about your, your transition from going from consultant to working for Nutanix? Sure, no problem. Um, so when I uh, started thinking about my career and, and the way to move forward, I was just thinking about, all right, now I'm, I'm the last two years I was a solution architect or consultant, uh, highly focused on desktop virtualization um, um, in terms of on-premise, off-premise, um and i thought it was it was time to to get a new start i was working for the company for six years and i always uh say that um um the average um the average time of an it guy for or girl for a company would be around five years uh, just to keep things fresh and and um uh, keep keep keeping new focus and and renewing yourself um, and I thought, all right, I can move to another consulting company and do the same thing with uh, just a different logo on my paycheck. Uh, or I can just look for another challenge. And about that time, uh, Raymond Epping, who's a good friend of mine, uh, who already works at Nutanix as, a, as an SE, said, well, Case, there's a, a, a new role coming up. Um, it's, you can be based in the Netherlands. And its role as a senior performance and solution engineer, and I was like, "All right, sounds cool." But what's I mean? What's role? What should I do? What What are people expecting from me? So I jumped in and, and talked to some guys. And um, uh, basically, if you look at the role as senior performance solution engineer or so solution and performance engineering in general, um, there are two type two types of people there. So you've got the analyst. They will go into the log files to see what's going on, and the other group is uh, is the reference architect, and I'm I'm um, I'm one of them, and I'm focusing on desktop virtualization, application virtualization. Uh, we've got another uh, a couple of them. Uh, we all have our own like specialism. We've got Michael Webster for databases. We've got Josh Oyers for Exchange. Um, you know, so we all fill in a certain gap. Um, and mine is desktop virtualization, yeah, with a focus on Citrix. Cool. So, I mean, th that's obviously your new role. I, I, I mean, 
Okay, you know, Nutanix was was something that was kind of off of my radar for for up until uh, probably you know the last six months. I mean, I'd seen a lot of a lot of clever kind of acquisitions of, of people um, from uh, like Derek Seaman from the you know from the yeah. from the from the VMware side of the house particularly around the horizon you know I, I thought that's where he was he was dedicated and then obviously you know between yourself and David Gaunt taking a job with Natalix I was like a uh, I was like a meerkat my head suddenly popped <laughs> up and went okay something really big is happening over here because I mean normally when you know when it came to you know EUC I was I was more focused on um on, you know what we're actually putting on top of the tin, as opposed to what tin we're running underneath. But when you when you guys took that job, I was kind of thinking to myself, "Hold on a second, cases, cases, a passionate end user computing guy here. What 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 attracted him to Nutanix in the first place, and what have I missed? So, how, <laughs> what, what what can you tell me about what you know? What really excited you about Nutanix before you took the role? All right, so there were a couple of things, but the, uh, one of the best examples for me is um, um, when I was working for Directors said Raymond, um, because I already knew Raymond, I said, all right, I want to look at your product. So I want a demo block. I want it in our, in our office so we can touch it, feel it, deploy it, break it, whatever. Um, and he said, well, all right, we're going to arrange something for you. So a couple of weeks later, I was sitting in the office, and he calls me, and he says, where are you? I said, well, I'm, I'm in the office. And he says, all right, I'll be there in 10 minutes. I've got the block for you. And I was like, all right. Raymond, you can't do this, right? So you need to call me so I can arrange housing and, and, and networking and power. And I need to prepare the IT guys. And there, there's a whole lot of other things that I need to do before you can come in with that block. He said, we're going we're gonna to make it happen. I'm going to fix this for you. And four hours later, I was deploying my first VMs within the Nutanix block. And that, for me, was a real eye-opener. Because before... Uh, that we looked at Flexbot, we looked at VBlock, uh, we did a lot of IBM, um, and <laughs> <laughs> you know we all make a mistake. I mean, what what can I say? Um, but w when I uh, wanted to design something on a on one of the three solutions, I needed a SAN guy, I needed a switching or a SAN networking guy, I needed a networking guy, I needed a compute guy, then I needed a hypervisor guy, and after all these guys were done, I could come in and do my VDI stuff. And with this solution, I could do it myself within a few hours, and the whole um, environment up and running. So from a consulting uh, perspective, it's the time to market which really got me. <coughs> So it's almost it's almost shadow IT, you know, this whole FUIT movement that's going on, but in, in the data center itself. I mean, Raymond's literally dropped you off a block and you circumvented every IT person in the <laughs> building in order to start building VMs. I love that. Natanix oh, yes. as a as a shadow IT directive. <laughs> and then the nice, the nice thing about that too. Is, oh, go ahead, sorry. No, no, no. So what you see is um, uh, when we come in uh, into the data center and we often deploy just one one type of workload within the data center for that customer as a proof of concept or as a, a test to see the power of our of our solution um, and often I think there's a number of 70% uh, will do another purchase with us within six months just because we first deploy either VDI or databases or exchange or 
business critical applications on Nutanix and they want to expand their infrastructure on the Nutanix infrastructure. Which is for me is, is a real important number because that means that people trust and see the power of, of Nutanix. Yeah, and one of the nice things I do, you know, I've seen back to the shadow IT with Nutanix is, you know, one of the lot of driving factors I've seen is with, you know, when you're doing some deployments of application virtualization, you know, desktop virtualization, from my experience has been, you know, all those different areas, all those different hands in the cookie jar. And by deploying a Nutanix solution, you're having less hands in the cookie jar, less teams having to, to work with, and you're getting your deployment out faster, and you're not worrying about a lot of the traditional components in the environment, you know, especially if something is, is not working properly or scaling properly or having some kind of issue. So it, it's good to see, you know, with Nutanix, you're kind of taking away a lot of those hoops and a lot of those potential issue points, um, you know, by deploying them in, in different uh, environments. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, even even just looking at the, I mean, if you were to look at your last five VDI or, or desktop virtualization products or projects and were to, to try to figure out how much time you spent waiting for another deposit, to do something for you or you know looking at it in a different angle if you were to calculate how long it took a department to do something for you or how long it took in order to get support to the correct uh, piece of the infrastructure just causing the problem you know everything is in your control and you've got a single point vendor from that solution so like when 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 you guys did did make the jump and I started looking closely I was like this is this stuff is revolutionary you know yeah, that's that's one of the other points. So it's it, from a consultancy perspective, it was a time to market. From an architectural uh, point of view, it was the, the simplicity. Uh, I love the way how we can bring new technology into the data center without having to patch it first. So, oh, so the, the 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 example I always use is we we thought of server virtualization. Uh, figured out we needed shared storage, so we introduced new uh, shared storage. Then we figured out we could de do desktop virtualization, figured out that I.O. was a problem for traditional shared storage, so we put another patch on it and do acceleration, either in memory or with flash. You know, it's all band-aids um, for... Like I see Nutanix as a um, uh, in-the-box solution without having to fix and and put band-aids on the on the on the solution, um, and it's really simple and and I love the way uh, it scales. Yeah, that's some, some very, very really good points as well. Very very easy to scale. You know, very nice products. You know, as you made this transition, you know, from your consulting role to working for Nutanix, has Anything you know you've missed in that role, you know, in your role from consulting before to now you're in Nutanix, um, you know, was it a big adjustment for you? Well, the 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 funny thing is, is that um, I do like ninety percent of what I did as a, a consultant or solution architect within um, my former job. So um, I'm responsible for the reference architectures based on desktop virtualization. Um, at this moment, I'm working on a, a new version of the uh, Send Desktop on Fees for a Reference Architecture. Um, so, it, uh, in fact, it looks a lot like what I was doing at, at my previous job, but without the hassle of the applications, right? So, uh, a lot of my time when, uh, as a consultant, went into getting application lists, getting them approved, getting the installation guides, getting the you know the, the whole process going of, of application packaging and sequencing. Um, and that's the, the, the thing I don't have to do anymore right now. Um, and Nutanix being a startup, 
Um, and they call themselves a startup, but with 900 employees worldwide. I'm not sure if you... And a 2 billion evaluation. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm not sure if you can claim the startup as a as a as a title for the for the company but the like the mentality and the dna is really like a startup so if anyone has a great idea they just say all right go focus on it make it happen do it um so for example the the nutanix documentation script i just released um it was just an idea and i, I talked to my manager and i said well i think it's a good idea because we don't have uh, I mean, we've got a, an, with Prism, we've got an excellent UI, uh, but people want, want documentation as is, right? Um, and I talked to him and I said, well, I think I need, I'll, I'll be probably needing this much time to deliver this. And he said, well, make it happen, go ahead. Um, and they let me create the script. So they're really pushing forward, like on innovation and on uh, own ideas and, and the, um, no, they they want to push the company even further than it is right now because it it, it can always improve. There's always room for improvement, um, and the best improvement comes from the people who work with the actual product. Yeah, that, that's good too. And also taking feedback from from your customers, taking that feedback, you know, making the product better, or you know, adding you know functionality or new new features to the product based on you know the feedback whether it's internal from employees or external from, from actual users using the product is, is a good thing um you know speaking of kind of one of the the things i've seen out there on, on twitter and one of the things of feedback towards nutanix is i've seen a lot of people asking about zen server support um and i, I know you know citrix has kind of had some back and forth with zen server the open source announcement taking features away adding features back again and and now with you know the the credence and the six five release you know they've truly rearchitected DOM zero and made it now sixty four bit so it doesn't have the same limitations so do you see any kind of future with uh, with Citrix and Nutanix uh, on the lines of Zen server support? What are your thoughts <coughs> on that? Well, this, I think it's um it's a hard question because um, just like you said, Citrix is giving a bit of mixed messaging about Zen server. Um, and we saw, I mean, I saw Credence coming, so I knew what was going on. Um, for me personally, um, I think if when we look at, uh, at hypervisors, um, I mean, vSphere is, is the top hypervisor, but it has all the bells and whistles, and sometimes good enough is good enough, right? Um, we support Hyper-V, uh, which is... Um, I'm not sure about the numbers, but I think for Citrix deployment is, is the number two hypervisor at this moment. Um, it's it's getting better, right? I'm um, again personally, I SCVMM and myself, we've got a love hate relationship. I think that's with all of us. <laughs> oh no, I've got a pure and utter hate hate relationship. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um, can we make it work? Sure. Um, is it as good as, as vCenter with vSphere? Uh, no, but maybe you don't need it. So with vSphere and Hyper-V, we've got two great alternatives. Um, the number of implementations I did of Zen Server came down to two. The biggest environment was, I think, around 4,000 uh, concurrent users. And we had a lot of problems with Zen Server, to be honest. Um, 
that's combined with the mixed messaging. I can imagine that our product managers would be somewhat uh, hesitating to um, support to uh, put development cycles within Sensor. Uh, uh, Answered like a true politician. Well done, sir. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it, it will be back to. If 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 you know if Nutanix starts seeing the, the customer demand, I, I just know personally from um, events I've done, you know, the past year with Nutanix, you know, that's probably one of the most questions that come up, and not from me, but from people attending the events, and you know, even some deployments where I've tried to position Nutanix in there, but they've been as in-server shops, so it's right away been been shot down as a solution. So, you know, maybe something to revisit. You know, who knows? Hopefully, with you know six five and Credence and the sixty four bit. Um, we'll see some some adoption uptake again, and hopefully Citrix doesn't go back and do anything of taking features away or changing the messaging or anything like that. So, I, I guess well, it's, it's uh, kind of I an mean, open it's kind of an open type type thing to see what will happen. Yeah. Um, the discussion is is ongoing. So um, there are internally there are are a couple of server fans. Um, and they they put up a good work for server. So maybe eventually when when um, um, there's a lot of question, customer demand for sensor, right? I mean, um, I think it's if if we see that it it would be a logical step to uh, to to get some uh, development cycles on uh, on sensor support. Um, just one note on the. Um, um, I mean, I can understand that people are asking you for sensor, right? Because you're the Citrix guy. Uh, when we go to VMware PAX or uh, other like TechAd, we don't get sensor for questions. I mean, it's it's the audience. Uh, it's a, a I mean, sensor is is for a specific audience. I think, right? For guys with a Citrix background, um, it it makes sense to us for sensor but all the rest of the world. I don't hear a lot of sensor questions from them, to be honest. Yeah, I, I kind of get that. You know, I mean, look, I mean, as a as a Citrix guy, if you see a product documentation and a list three other hypervisors and not sensor, you're going to ask the question. You know, but you're not necessarily asking the question because you actually want to do something with it. And I, I absolutely take your point about the the, the kind of mixed. Uh, roadmap for for sand server because I mean look from from the CDP channel I mean we 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 were pretty much under the impression that sand server was open source and you know it's going to be it's going to be muddled along but there was nothing and then all of a sudden we started getting feedback on what was going to be coming in six five and again like meerkats we hopped up and started looking around going what you're doing what this is great <laughs> yeah you know but like everything else these things have to be proven and tried it's very very easy to point out that you have all of this throughput and all of these you know improvements in dom zero but realistically speaking it, it, the market has to has to uptake it and um you know actually start using it again for for there to be a strong case to, to go down that route, would that be fair? Uh, yeah, I really hope that that SenseServer um, has a has has like a chance. I mean, the the problem with SenseServer is that version six was well not as good as one would expect from Citrix. I think that was across the entire version six platform. But anyway, yeah, agreed. <laughs> true, true. That was the um, version six curse. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Ingmar wrote an excellent blog about the version 6 curse on uh, on Citrix. But Sensor over 6, a lot of people, I think, uh, from what I've heard, is that a lot of people are like worried about Sensor over 6. 
um, about the hotfixes and, 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 and issues that run across because of the hotfixes. Um, I'm, I'm just hoping that people don't uh, write send server off in terms of uh, wasn't the best product, now there's a new version, but you know, what's, what's, maybe, maybe people don't have to trust in the new version of send server because of all the issues with the previous version. And to be honest, I saw on Twitter today the first uh, uh, box already with the uh, with the newest hotfix for Sensor over six oh five. Ah, uh, no case. You work for a vendor. You know how quick hotfixes need to come out. Don't be using that as an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, in my defense, how many hotfixes did we uh, did we push out the last two months? Publicly or privately, case? Publicly. Precisely. <laughs> so as you know, let's kind of uh, kind of move on and talk about some other things here since we kind of talked about <clears throat> you know the you know your transition, your thoughts on Zen server support, you know your experience with Aria software. Um, you know what other technologies you know do you see out there or, or things you're looking at um, playing with on, on the side? You know outside of Nutanix, do, do you see out there in the market? All right, so I did a lot of testing with uh, with app volumes. Um, just recently, I really like the idea of of, of app volumes. Um, when you look at the Dutch market, um, where I spend a lot of time in, um, we don't often see products like Unidesk and app volumes, and 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 uh, I think Liquidware Labs has a, a similar solution, just to layer your application set. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm currently looking into that a lot because we have a, a tight relationship with uh, with Unidesk. Um, they're coming with a solution for Hyper-V as well, um, as probably Rory already talked about, because I think he's one of the beta, uh, he's in the beta program. Um, so it's it's a lot of application compatibility and the, the way you can uh, move around within the, the, that landscape. Um, Furthermore, I see, uh, still see a lot of dis- discussions on uh, MCS PVS, of course, which is in the um, uh, solely Nutanix um, um, question within the architecture. Uh, persistent, non-persistent is still an ongoing discussion. Um, and I think people are, are doing, uh, there's an uptake in, in UEM in general. So not just RES, but absence and stuff like that as, yeah, as well. Yeah, it'd be kind of good to get your, your thoughts because, you know, we, we kind of heard, you know, with, with your RES software background, especially them having their own product in Workspace Manager, um, there's been the, the past probably 24, 48 hours that buzz rumor that VMware is going to acquire Emodio. So, um, you know, what are your thoughts on some of the products out there in, in that space? And, you know, what are your thoughts on, on that move as well? So... I mean, it depends on the usage of uh, Emilio, what they're going to do with it. I mean, I, from what I've seen is that they're going to buy it to, uh, to enhance app volumes. Uh, but I, I guess the, 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 the current persona management or the, the, the weak version of, of RTO uh, could use some Emilio as well, or UEM in general, because their current implementation of, of persona management is... Um, it, it it's it's not as good as as you uh, would expect it to be. So it needs it needs a little bit more attention. Oh well, that and it doesn't work on RDS at all. You know, so they've got a they've got a they've got a feature parity there. I mean, obviously VMware are pushing hard on um, on the RDS piece, trying to catch up with Zen app. Um, and you know, 
successfully so like it's it's really starting to come together i'm not saying in any way that it's there yet but i think that you know as you mentioned a a profile or persona management system that works across their platform would, would be beneficial right and i think they they would get that with the media as well so um if they're going to do this, and uh, to be honest, I was expecting more, um, more, or, or I was expecting an announcement in terms of Aria software or Ascent instead of Emilio. Really? So you, you, you think you think VMware buying Aria software Ascent instead of Emilio? Yeah, I mean, uh, Aria's and 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 Absence are way more involved in terms of user environment management, while Emilio is more a profile management solution. Yeah, no, I, I I hear you. I mean, so it's yeah. So a media is is quite it's a it's a newer solution as opposed to crap sense. Oh, did I say that? I meant absence and uh, and uh, or yes, nice. you know, so, yeah. <laughs> Gloves are off. <laughs> yeah, and there was some oh. buzz too. You know, it's a back and forth answer on on Twitter about you know. If, if if VMware does this, you know, what should Cedric do? And you know, I was involved in some 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 Twitter conversations along with Andy. You know, but I was my thought was, you know, if Cedric wants to step up their game in that space, you know, is Northscale a obvious acquisition for them since Northscale rides on top of what they already have today in profile management? So uh, just uh, just before we go down that route, I mean, obviously we're 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 all very used to user environment management products. Uh, we we've implemented them, we've used them, and we've sold them. And I think Citrix, that's just something Citrix doesn't get. Would that be fair to say? I yeah, mean, but does VMware get it? Well, uh, let's just uh, let's just that for a second. Um, I suppose the point I'm trying to make is uh, myself and Case have had this argument for years that, that Citrix needs a solution like this and they've been pretty happy to just kind of do the, do, the, do the profile but not actually add you know the, the additional functionality that, that these these virtualization products have like the, the drive mappings, the printers, the registry keys, the ODBC connections, you know, all the junk that you have to put in there to really get a user happy, you know. So... Uh, I suppose, it, will Citrix knee-jerk is the question. Should they be looking at um, products like Norscale? Or should they finally accept that they're missing something and then maybe go with a more mature solution? All right. So from my perspective, um, when you look at the latest acquisitions that Citrix made, um, Norscale would be a logical one uh, in terms of um, relatively young technology, um, but current and people are looking at it. I'm, 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 I'm pointing at the symbolic acquisition they did, right? So it's um, maybe not the youngest because I think symbolic was there for 12 years. Um, but with 600 current companies using it with 200 with a shared install based on Citrix and symbolic is relatively small. Um, so in, in terms of that strategy, um, I think Northscale would be a, a very logic, logical step. The, the, the big question is, should Citrix buy uh, a solution like that? Because I think it's, it's not just having a solution for it, but you need to have a, a valid solution for it. Otherwise, you will lose your credibility. and People uh, will lose interest in your product because it's just a half product, just like I did with RGO. Um, and I think it's it's about partner landscape too. 
So there's a, a third-party ecosystem uh, around Citrix and VMware, and they need to keep that alive too. I mean, it, it's driving innovation and it's driving their product uh, projects as well. Yeah, and, yeah, and I'm sure that those are very good points. And you know, whether VMware does buy Modio or you know, and if they do, and Citrix says, okay, we're going to buy Northscale, they're still going to support their partner ecosystem. You know, they're both just trying to say, okay, we have this checkbox. Do you have it? So it's going to be that, you know, that checkbox as a feature thing, you know, if they make mm. that move and to have something that, you know, to start with, you know, they're always going to say, if you want extra features beyond that, you know, go use an AppSense or go buy or go use an RES software. Because honestly, my opinion, I think both would be too much of a price tag for either to buy at this point. I don't know. So, I mean, looking at looking at VMware, or looking at what VMware are doing. I mean, so they they've obviously done. They've obviously had to do a little bit of a catch up from from the hosted shared point of view, and you know they're making that they're making strides in that direction. But the, the, the say you know if this acquisition was to go ahead uh, with a, with a medio and the the app volumes acquisition prior to that, they're they're not chasing feature parity, what they're actually doing is they're sucking in products that add value that Citrix currently doesn't deliver. So not only are they catching up on the background with, with features and functionality, they're actually grabbing services that the other cannot do, forcing them to start evaluating their own solutions as opposed to just trying to keep yeah. the feature gap ahead, you know? So um, personally, and then, of course, just to, to put, touch on the ecosystem, I mean, what value does AppSense and, and RES actually give to Citrix? Sure, they add a lot of value on top of the stack, but they don't bring customers to Citrix with that in mind. Nobody goes, okay, I'm going to implement RES or I'm going to implement AppSense, I better buy Citrix. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes oh, sense. Sure. And, and my, my statement of saying, you know, the, the fill-out feature on a checkbox was more of a an answer from, from Citrix, you know, saying, okay, VMware has this now. What do we do? Do we enhance our existing solution or do we buy someone else? Oh, no, I hear you. I suppose the point I was trying to make was um, that... It's not a. It's not a case that they are. Um, you know, just sorry. I was touching on on cases uh, comments just around the partner ecosystem and that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think it would do much damage for Citrix to acquire a product like that personally, if that makes sense. No, 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 not for Norio. But if they would go for RES or Absent, which are the two major players in in the UEM field, um, I think the left the party that would be left over would be very very worried. Yeah, that's fair. That's, yeah, that, that's, that's fair to say. Fair. So, <clears throat> you know, besides, you know, IT type stuff and, you know, Nutanix and, you know, ARIA software and all the things we talked about before, you know, what, what, what kind of things you like to do outside of technology and IT? <laughs> He's currently got his hand, his phone in his hand, checking his tweets. That'll tell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's, um, always, it's always a funny question because you never know. Some some guys, you know, you know, they, they don't have time for. For, for uh, you know, besides, you know, especially with all of us having young families and, and being very busy and, and, and that kind of stuff, you know, it's, you know, it's interesting to see what others do or if they have things outside of, of, of IT. Right, so, uh, um, in terms of, um, so when I look at the, um, my work-life balance, it's, um, um, my wife would say that there's no life balance because it's only work. Um but I think joining Nutanix was a good thing for my work-life balance. So I'm working two or three days a week from home, which means I can see my kids a lot more. Uh, we've got a dog. I live next to the forest, so I uh, I try to uh, to go walk the dog like two or th three times a day. Just walk into the, the woods and uh, 
and walk there for an hour. Um, and furthermore, it's 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 just a lot of work. I mean, I, I like what I do, um, and it comes naturally, so I, it doesn't feel like work. Awesome. So yeah, so you, you got to have some of those times away from just to kind of refresh yourself and you know refocus. Also, you know, make sure oh, yeah. that we have that time with the family as well. So, um, you know, we're getting pretty close, you know, kind of over time like we had the last time. But, you know, and it's always good because we could probably go on and on talking all day. Um, we want you to get back to your weekend and your family. So um, if people want to reach out to you, you know, how can they reach out to you and get a hold of you? All right. So it's it's uh, on Twitter. I'm uh, uh, K. Bergerman, K. Bergerman. Or you can uh, email me at kz.nutanix.com. And, um, you're, and there's the blog. Yeah, I would say the blog too as well because you, you're still an active yeah. blogger and you actually had some recent ones here as well. Um, so, yeah, make sure you check out um, your website and the URL for them to hit that up is? Uh, blog.myvirtualvision.com Awesome. So, um, as we're winding things down, you know, letting Case get back to his family and his weekend, you know, uh, this was our podcast number two. Um, our Frontline Chatter podcast with myself um, and Andy Morgan. Um, be sure to check out um, our next podcast. Um, we haven't actually discussed what podcast there will be yet, but we are planning one, and that will be coming out very soon as well. Um, if you haven't had a chance yet, please check out our first podcast with uh, Roy Monahan on EUC application virtualization. Um, and for myself, um, I'd like to thank uh, Case for his time today. As, as always, it's uh, always a good time chatting with you. Um, and I'll let you get back to your to your weekend. All right. Thank you, guys. Cheers, guys. Take care, everybody. <laughs>